Um, I don't know if you've been watching and observing the moon in recent days and weeks and how vibrant it has been, and um, it's been a really great uh, opportunity to see it. Uh, moon, uh, we, as our family drove this past summer uh, across the country, half the country at least, as we drove through the Arizona desert, we began to see billboards for the meteorite crater. I never heard of it. It had a radio station you could tune in to hear about it. So we began to learn about the meteorite crater. And we had a little time, and uh, we built a little cushion into our schedule. And so we pulled off and went to visit the meteorite crater in the deserts of Arizona. And uh, we came to find out that, uh, I'm not going to tell you all about it, you can look it up, but what was interesting is that NASA has used it for decades now, and still today, uh, for uh, helping astronauts think about and prepare for trips into the craters of the moon. And uh, the moon has a lot of craters. There's a lot of names for the various craters. One of them is actually called the Alfonso Crater. It's named for Alfonso of Castile, a king in Spain, many years ago, back in 1252 to 1284. And Alfonso of Castile was known as uh, one who loved uh, looking into the heavens in astronomy, and that's why the crater is named after him. He was one who implemented a lot of change and development into his country economically. His government had a, a tremendously international flavor. He was a poet and introduced um, the literature into the country, and because of those things, he was given a nickname that he uh, holds uh, even many centuries after his death. He's known as El Sabio. The wise, Alfonso the wise, given to him because of the knowledge that he sought to bring for the benefit of the people in their living. When we think about God throughout the scripture, God is always pictured as the source of wisdom. But for some, there are some, maybe in this room, many around us in in our county in the Bay Area, who God is not the first stop or the first uh, step in their search for answers. In fact, God often is the last resort. You know what I'm talking about? When all else fails and nothing else can seem to to bring some solution, there's nothing to lose, then maybe, maybe I'll see what God has to offer on this particular issue. And it happens in the church too. Because even men and women who are faithful struggle at times to really trust the knowledge of God into the regularities of our living. We might lose a job, and our first impulse, and I'm not fussing about it or complaining about it, but our first impulse, and maybe a lingering impulse, is I've got to get networking, and I've got to get my resume out there, instead of taking time to pray and to seek what God is doing in this situation and how God might be preparing me for what is next and what He is wanting to do. Maybe there's a broken relationship in your life. And we experience those along the way. And I don't know about you, but for a lot of years, and it still lingers in my life, I'm trying to purge myself of it. Um, It's this expression, burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. (laughs) And I get the sentiment of it, and it's, it's about protecting yourself and not being a fool to somebody or not being tricked or easily duped, right? It, it's about that. It's partly trying to help encourage accountability in your relationships. So, uh, But what I notice for me is that if I sit too long with that sentiment in my relationships is that I, I begin to approach my relationships from a posture of mistrust 
rather than openness. And it, it hinders me at times from being able to be open to others. Sometimes we are in the face of temptation and there's an issue in our life that we struggle with that keeps calling us and we know it's not what is pleasing to the Lord and, and yet we think that if we just roll our sleeves up and grit our teeth and, and muster up more willpower that somehow that is what is going to get us over the hump and lead us into freedom over this issue. But what God reminds us in His wisdom is that what's not needed is willpower. It's actually surrender into His guidance, the the following, the leadership of Jesus in the face of temptation. So, instead of just mustering up more strength and getting better in this issue, it's about learning how Jesus would face this particular temptation in my life. And if Jesus were in my shoes, what would He do? And how would He have the strength to stand against it? So we trust God as Christians. We say we do. We trust God as the source of credible insight for today's living. And when we do that, God becomes for us like an artesian fountain. I don't know how artesian fountains work. That's my next area of research. But when uh, our road trip this summer, we we went through uh, northwest Oklahoma, and there was a place from my childhood. When we'd go from my childhood home to visit my grandmother, we'd always drive by on the same highway, and there's a little pull-off on the side of the road, and there's some trees everywhere else. It's just kind of barren and flat. But in this little area, there's trees, and I was taught long ago that where you see trees out in the countryside, guess what is there? Water. That's right. Water has to feed the vegetation. And so there's an artesian well. And again, I don't know what they are, but all I know is that there is a pipe plunged into the ground and a continuing flowing source of water that's cold and clean and tasty. It's now being bottled and it's offered there. Some people drive right by it, but others will pull off and fill up their water bottles and take it with them. It's really cool. It's really neat. In fact, uh, a lot of us in our family, we looked at each other and said, this is some of the best water we've ever drunk. It's amazing. But you know, God, when we really, really come to God as the source of wisdom, He becomes like that artesian fountain because God is a God who wants to share of Himself with you. That's why we have baptisms. Because God has shared His life with you to give you not just salvation... 30, 40, 50 years ago, but to give you ongoing wisdom in the daily realities of your life, in the nooks and crannies of your life. And that is what God desires to do, to to be for you a, a well of knowledge that is working and workable in today's life. So as we move forward, we're going to open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And I want us to remember together how it is that God fills our water bottles, our spiritual water bottles, to quench that thirst and need for knowledge and wisdom. And we're going to start, and well, today it's just going to be about the the ABCs of finding the knowledge of God. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it, As for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. To find the knowledge 
of God. A, B, C. If we're going to find the knowledge of God, it begins with acknowledging, acknowledging uh, God's rightful place in our lives. That's the A for A, B, C. To acknowledge God's rightful place in our lives. I don't know if you're familiar with the International Justice Mission, but they're an organization uh, based now in Washington, D.C. and uh, It's a group of lawyers and uh, criminal investigators, and they go into places uh, where there's really a lot of dark oppression, and they, they fight against injustices like uh, uh, human trafficking and, and the sex trade and all sorts of other things around the world. And they're really driven, they're uh, high-powered kind of people. Several years ago, their leader uh, realized that part of what they needed to do if they're going to continue to be acknowledging the presence of God in their organization to give strength and wisdom into their lives, he implemented what they call now the 830 silence. 8 colon 30 silence. So here's what they do every morning. Their workday begins at 830. And for the first 30 minutes, there are no telephone calls, there are no emails, there are no meetings. The employees gather, but they gather in silence because they want to acknowledge at the beginning of their workday the presence of God and the wisdom that He will bring into their day's reality. Sounds pretty good, right? I'd like to do more of that in my life. How about you? Yeah. Ah, okay, all right. I thought this was a mirage out here. <laughs> Here's what the leader of that organization says. He says, now imagine with me for a moment a staff of high-performing lawyers, criminal investigators, social workers, and professionals in Washington, Washington, D.C., and offices across the developing world. Imagine them rushing into the office to begin their day faced with the task of fighting slavery, human trafficking, police abuse, and other forms of violent oppression. As these staff arrive at their desks, their first order of business is to stop. All phones are off, laptops closed, no email, no meetings, just silence, solitude, stillness for 30 minutes. On any given day, stillness can be hard, right? We know it, don't we? Because you're busy people. I'm a busy person. And taking time to discipline ourselves in stillness can be hard, even awkward, frustrating. We come to each day like a jar of river water that has been shaken. The jar is murky, impossible to see through. But as the jar sits still, unmoved, the silt and sediment begin to settle. Clearer waters emerge. So too in the stillness that enables solitude and silence the mud and mire of our souls begins to settle and clarity emerges. In solitude and silence, we become aware of the inner needs and desires that we bring to the day. Then we can talk to God, our good and loving Father, about what it is we actually need for that day, asking for His wisdom, His guidance, His grace to prevail. 8.30 Silence. If that's not a regular part of your day, perhaps that may be something you look to incorporate this coming week as a way of acknowledging God and His rightful place in the world and His rightful place in your life, in your work life, in your home life, your married life, your grandparenting life, your retired life, your going to middle school or high school life, whatever your life 
Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do you lack wisdom, beloved? The book of James invites us to ask God for wisdom, and He will give and give generously to you. The A and our ABCs of finding the knowledge of God is acknowledging God in His rightful place in the world and in your life. The B, you might have guessed it, is the Bible. It's the Bible, but the Bible is habitual book, not as magical book. The Bible is habitual book, not as magical book. And here's what I mean by that is there are times certainly you're in a pinch or there's an issue of your life and you're seeking God's wisdom and you might just randomly flop the Bible open and boom, right there is a passage that meets your need in that moment. Has that ever happened to you? It has to me. And I believe it's a word from the Lord. I really do. But I'm not sure that that's the the regular way that God invites us into the Bible. Because if that's the only way we read the Bible, it's just, oh, I have a need, God, would you speak to me? Boom. Sure, He could do that. But that's not the best way of getting to know God, of getting to know His personality and His character. You see, it's, it's in the habitual reading that we learn to know God and to know these things about Him, His character. It's kind of like when you come to a novel and you get a good novel that you enjoy. You you enjoy the themes, the plot, and and the characters. And you come back to it over and over again because uh, the characters are are, uh, so engrossing and and, and you like it. And then you you, you get to know them through the the return, the habitual return of that book. The Bible needs to be looked at more like that. We, our family, have discovered a a new book series that we're really enjoying. Um, I forget the author, but the first book is called Three Times Lucky. And as we began to read it, we actually uh, read it, uh, listened to it uh, on an audio uh, book as we were driving. Um, And we began to be introduced to some new characters for us. We we were introduced to the Colonel, and to Lavender, and to Miss Lana, and to Dale. And those are all really interesting characters and they help make the story what it is. But the person that we were most gravitated toward was the person telling the story. The main character in the story. What's her name, Jake? Uh, Mo Lebeau. Mo Lebeau. Do you remember how she got her name? This has not been rehearsed, by the way. You remember? There was a big storm, right? And she is a young, young, almost baby or infant. She was found washed up on the river. Remember? Yep, yep. And so they they called her Mo, short for Moses, because Moses was drawn out of the water, right? So he got the name Moses. So her name is Moses, but they call her Mo for short. But here's what happens in the novel. Now we've read several of the books in the the, the series, and the books always center on the, the storyteller, and that's Mo. LeBeau. And we keep coming back time and again because we're getting to know the people. That's a little bit, and one of the ways that we should approach the Bible is habitual, not magical. Where we come habitually, because in the story, sure, we, we're introduced to other characters and the other Bible books because we learn from them how they approached God and how they learned from God and how they took the joys of their life and presented them to God and in the struggles of their life, we, life sometimes we learn how they failed and and they become cautionary tales at times. We learn how they succeeded. And they become patterns at times for how we should relate to God as well. But through it all, 
we're learning about the lead character and the author of the book, which is God himself. And so as we think about coming to know the knowledge of God, it starts with acknowledging, that's the A, acknowledging God in his rightful place in the world and my life, and then approaching the Bible in a habitual way so that we can get to really know God and the nitty-gritty of his character along the way. And the C this morning in our ABCs is companion, to learn to companion our life well, to be a companion in a good way. Proverbs 13.20 says this, that it walk with the wise and we become wise. That's right. If you walk with wise people, you too will become wise because the, the people you spend a, a good amount of time with, they rub off on you, don't they? I hear people who talk about when they go to southern states, maybe they've never lived in a southern state, and, and you hear people, maybe you're one of these, who when you go and spend a week or a month in Alabama or Georgia or Arkansas or somewhere like that, you start to pick up the accent and you begin to talk a little like this. This is, this is pretty natural for me. I've worked really hard to lose my accent. People tell me I haven't done it very well. But the people you spend time with rub off on you. It just happens. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. Listen, for the companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. So the invitation today is just to examine the percentage of time as you, you look at your life and you look at your work relationships and your social relationships, ask yourself this coming week, what percentage of time do you actually spend walking and, and living and rubbing elbows with people who are wise in the things of God? People who can rub off on you and encourage you and applaud you and, and help you along the way. Because if you don't have a good percentage, I'm not saying all of your time, you can't do that. Because God wants you in the world too. But you're not of the world, right? But you have to spend a good percentage of your life and your time with other believers, other brothers and sisters. And you need one or two people, at least one or two, who are just a few steps farther on their uh, Christian pilgrimage than you are, who can come and help give you some wisdom and guidance along the way. So our ABCs are to acknowledge God in His rightful place in the world and in your life, is to approach the Bible habitually, less magically, and number three, our C, is to companion ourselves well. And as you do that, you find you will discover over time the knowledge of God is being poured into your life. And He shows up, that knowledge shows up, because when you face temptation, the more time you spend acknowledging God and, and habitually in the Bible and spending time companioning well with Christian people, as you face temptation, guess what? You begin to respond more like Jesus would respond if He were in your shoes facing your temptation. You lose a job and you're uncertain of what's next. That The sense of overwhelming, crushing despair no longer has a strength over you because you've learned that God has you and He will carry you forward. And you learn to lean into Him, grieving the death of a family member, having a relationship that's strained. All of these things become different for you because you're being changed from the knowledge of God from the inside out. And you know what I've noticed is that as I spend more time with God, I, I, start, I stop take, taking myself so seriously. 
I learned to laugh at myself more and to realize that, you know, I'm really not all that important and that God can do a lot without me, but I just have the good privilege of being invited, just like you do, into His good work. So I learned to take myself less seriously. And I've also noticed that as I spend time in these ABCs, acknowledging God habitually in the Bible, spending good time with with believing people who can encourage me with their wisdom, I begin to notice that within me wells up a desire to elevate other people, to put them first, ahead of myself. My own needs and desires begin to take a back seat so that the needs and desires of others can take a more prominent place in my life. So, as we do a little alphabet check today, do you come to God with humility and receiving or hubris and pride? Do you acknowledge how things really are in the world? Do you make time in the Bible? And do you make it a habit, getting to know God and drawing closer to Him? Are you sharing a good percentage of your time? Not all of your time, but is it a healthy percentage of your time? Do you spend it with godly people? People who can encourage and equip you with their wisdom and share that with you? That's all I've got. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your wisdom. We thank You that You're a God who wants to share Your very life with us. This is why You invite us to come again and again to Your well of knowledge. Because it's not just to fill up our containers. It's not just that our spiritual pots will be filled to the brim. It's so that we learn to walk with You. This knowledge of You translates into knowledge that really works in the real world. In this real world, in Marin County real world, in the Bay Area real world, it's your wisdom and your knowledge that we seek. And we pray that just as we started in our passage in Proverbs chapter 2, that for those who seek understanding and learning, God, may we be men and women, boys and girls, who seek after your knowledge in the same way and the same intensity that we seek after procuring wealth or protecting wealth, just like going and finding a treasure or building up our resources, may we bring and have the good sense to bring a similar sense of intensity and, and energy and priority to seeking You and Your wisdom and knowledge. So guide us in the joy of that this day. How much have I missed along my life so far because I've not sought your wisdom, I've not sought your knowledge, and I've assumed that I could do it better or just as well on my own. How much have I missed? How much have we missed? God, we don't want to miss anything. We want to be full with you. So help us in this. We pray. May we acknowledge you well. May we habitually be in your Bible to learn of you and about you and to know you better. And may we companion ourselves well with others in this church so that we can learn and encourage and grow together. And we pray it in Jesus' name now. Amen.